This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by us. That's right. We have re-released the Sparkle Troll t-shirt for a final hurrah. And because, you know, it is fundraising season. Those bills are coming due next month. So we want to give one last show to the Sparkle Troll t-shirt, at least the version one Sparkle Troll t-shirt, which we are going to retire after this drive so right now your last chance it was originally at the end of the month but hey this show drops at the end of the month so we're going to extend it for one final week and it is your absolute last chance to get the original sparkle troll t-shirt and help support the show a little bit right we've dropped the sparkle troll t-shirt down to super clearance prices so literally the pennies that we will get on each show will go into the kitty to make sure that nerd cognito lives for another year there's no better way to piss off skittle hairs and show what side of the hobby you're on than to wear your sparkle troll t-shirt out to the flgs it'll be a good time i promise you won't get mobbed For your Sparkle Troll t-shirts, go to nerdcognito.com and click on the Support Our Show link. In there, you will find the direct link to the Sparkle Troll t-shirts. Or check out Nerd Cognito on Twitter. I'm sure those ladies are spamming it. It's legit the last chance. The shirt is retiring. Get it while you can at a clearance price. Now, on with the show. Welcome to a spooky episode of Nerd Cognito. It's spooky because I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Nerd Cognito. My name is Ryan David and we're here with our Halloween episode. This show actually dropped on Halloween this year. How awesome is that? Uh, here to talk at you with some spooky stuff are my two very good friends. Hey, Bert, welcome to Halloween Cognito. <laughs> hey, Ryan, how's it going? I, 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 I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And, of course, Kyle, Kyle, rise up from the wet spot. <laughs> You're, you're really frightening me. <laughs> All right, I'm done with No, that. I'm being serious. <laughs> uh, this week, <laughs> oh, keeping on message, we have a couple of things that we're going to talk about this week. First, how to exercise demons from your table. You know, the ones that don't deserve to play or have done something so stupid that it's time just to say, get out. And hopefully not just from the table, but from the hobby, because gatekeeping is good. So we're going to talk about when the fortunate or unfortunate situation comes up where someone needs to go, how do we handle that? Then I've got some news, and on the back end of the news, we have a creepy double feature. That's right, we're going to talk about our favorite creepy, ewy, yucky, fear-inducing, non-undead monsters that we can pop into a game. And, since tis the season, we'll look at our favorite horror franchises and talk about the absolute worst entries (laughs) in those franchises. So, you know, horror movies and horror comics and horror genre across the board tends to be very prolific but that doesn't mean that it's all great (laughs) and we're going to talk about the best of the worst so sounds like a show wait i said i was going to stop doing that ah bert what's your week looked like i was pretty good i had my pathfinder group uh yesterday i got to do some board gaming on friday Got some more games coming up this week. We talked about it on on the Speakeasy this week. We talked we played Unfathomable at our gaming group this Friday, and we did. Uh, you were the traitor, my friend. I was, and you didn't catch me in time. I still lost, but you were trying like hell to get me out of the game, and you couldn't do it. It's because I was the only one that knew you were the traitor. The other guys were still sitting on the fucking fence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kyle, how's your week been? 
uh hectic and crazy real life just will not let up these days it seems oh it's it, you have some time off coming up now so at least yeah you'll be able to pause your brain and not have to worry about any sort of real life stuff until you you know come back and have to pick up the pieces <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i'm looking forward to not setting an alarm for the next few days that that's going to be good, especially for you. I don't know how you do it. I guess your body just sort of adjusts to it. I, I, you yeah. know, when I, yeah, was, I'll still, I'll wake, I'll wake up early, but it's not going to be at like one thirty a.m. No, <sighs> you'll wake up at like three thirty and be like, oh, look how yeah, I wake. slept in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, have an extra cocktail before bed every night and maybe squeak another hour on top of that. You deserve it. I'm going to try. You know who doesn't deserve those cocktails? <laughs> they don't deserve much of anything because they have earned the right and privilege to be removed from a gaming group for whatever reason. It could be they just were, you know, like a sleeper sparkle troll and it didn't come out in time. You know, your vetting process may have let one in under the radar. It could be that there is intra-group strife. I've certainly had that happen. Not often, right? I've, I legitimately can count on one hand the number of people I've had to ask to leave a gaming group. But I distinctly remember each of the scenarios that were behind that exit. It could be just a mismatch of personalities, or it could be that they're a fucking asshole and you don't want them in your gaming space anymore. <laughs> but no matter what, there comes a time for all of us where we have to escort someone to the door. And it is, to say the least, an awkward scenario and something that not too many people enjoy doing, right? If, if they made it past your screen, the last thing you want to do is have someone leave your group on bad terms. But it sometimes has to happen. Bert, I know you've experienced this a handful of times. Again, I don't think it's mm -hmm. a very common thing, but it's a very significant thing when it happens, right? Right. The times that I've had it happen, it's come up, it was, you know, a clash in play styles or strife at the table and... It just was ruining everybody's fun. So sometimes you have to bite the bullet and have that conversation with somebody. Right. I I was on the other end of that conversation once, Kyle, and it had nothing really? to do with friends or play styles. It was it had to do with puss, right? <laughs> puss got in the way. And uh, I imagine that I needed to leave. And I knew I needed to leave too. I knew it wasn't a good situation just because, well, the host and the host's girl at that time. Uh, should I tell this story? Why the hell not? It's been a long time. If we were to rewind history from the time that yeah. I exited the table, the host girl was couch surfing on my couch for about four months. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Shit happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. She never told him. Oh. And it came out at the table. So it was time for me to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, I don't know if if I haven't referenced him in a while, but Drunk Joe, uh, this was Drunk Joe. So uh, Drunk Joe and I have since reconciled and re-argued and ended our friendship on other terms <laughs> at least <laughs> three times since then um but uh no it, it's things happen and sometimes it's game and sometimes it's life uh do you ever have to give someone the old heave ho no i've i've fortunately have never been in that situation um but i typically have always played with people who are pretty close friends. So I've, you know, I've already got a pretty good idea of who they are and, and, you know, what sorts of things they're going to enjoy and how they're going to, how they're going to, you know, how things will play out at the table, or they have been people who have been fairly close to people that I know. Well, you know what I mean? One, one degree removed. Right. And they'll, and you know, they'll vouch for them. No, no. 
Rob's a cool guy or Brian's a cool guy or, you know, (laughs) Susie's Susie's no, she's fine with it, you know, or whatever, that kind of thing. No, and that's, that's a really good thing, right? Go ahead. Right. So you get into Kyle's gaming group by the, uh, by the mob, uh, by the mob intro. He's a good fella. You'll like him. Yeah. 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 Welcome to the family, Bert. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's not necessarily a bad strategy. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never, never gone the whole, hey, I'm going to look up some randos kind of route. I've never done that. So I've never had that experience, really. Because, and I say that that is a very solid strategy, because prior to me being more open to bringing people in, and this was pre-COVID, I, I, I had this stretch of like two years where I don't know what happened in my brain, but I would bring anybody in on very limited vetting. And prior to that, I had only ever exited one player and I had been exited once from said girl. What up, Kate? And then I had this moment where, so Bert, you remember when I got it into my brain that we needed to have 10 people at the table? Oh, yeah, your crusade, your uh, recruiting drive all of a sudden. And this was a while ago, Kyle. It was pre-COVID, right? But because I was driven by this, I must have 10 for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't even enjoy running for more than, like, six. But I wanted to have 10. I was letting a lot of things come through the door. We had the preacher from hell that ate all of Bert's Cheez-Its on a regular basis. <laughs> you remember him, Bert? I do. I do. You know, I, I run gaming on snacks, so I bring enough snack food for probably five or six people with me every game day. And uh, I'm like, okay, snacks are for everybody. Help yourself. He, he helped like, himself. He sure the yeah. hell helped himself. Yep. He'd be like, oh, okay. So he'd just take the snacks and, like, eat all of them, not pass them around. Not He would just grab the box and like eat the entire thing himself. Really? Yes. And he, he would take the box of Cheez-Its and put it in his lap. So no one else would even want to ask for it or reach you in mean, there. Nobody taught him how to share. No. no. And, and, and I, I shit you not, Kyle, the man, <laughs> the man was a preacher and he was the most ill-mannered person that I have ever had at my table yeah. just in general not <laughs> counting the cheese it's he would okay. come into the house walk past the boss and not even acknowledge her presence like hello bert hello kyle hello ryan not even hello. look in her direction fuck you i'm going downstairs yeah tip uh, a hat ma'am you no know, none of that. Not, nothing nothing no and okay. well We've seen the boss on angry days. <laughs> she did not like him either. <laughs> and then we had um, uh, the juggler transvestite. Um, I don't know what I was thinking there. I knew that that was going to be a problem before it started, but it, it happened. Hey, Bert, you were kind. You gave him a ride home one night. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, you know, that's just my way. Yeah. No, it, but, but. And there was no strife there. It, it just ended with, look, you guys, this isn't a good match. And I'm going to go to the the gathering of the Juggalos in Chicago and then, you know, hitchhike my way to California. And that was the last we saw of him. <laughs> so that was an easy exit. And then there was the other guy, and I can't remember his name. You know the one I'm talking about? He was a larger man. Oh, yes, I do remember uh, vaguely. Started I mean, bringing his with... preteen daughter. Yeah. And just assumed that my daughter, who was living with us at the time, because she was also in that age range, was going to play and babysit and be friends with her. He, he would just bring her for hours at a time. <laughs> anyway, the one thing that, Weird. that all of those things had in common was at the end, there has to be a conversation. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a conversation with animus, but it has to be a very transparent conversation, in my opinion. What do you guys think? No, I absolutely agree. The only times that I've ever had to remove somebody from a group, it, you know, you eventually you have to sit down and talk to them about it, you know? 
And I try to be pretty transparent about it. You know, nobody's having any fun at this point. You know, we're running into whether it's personality clash or just play style, but you know, you want to sit them. I would normally sit them down, talk to them, you know, well, this is, you know, this is how the game is going. How do you, you know, get their feedback, get some buy-in, but eventually at the end of the day, you have to sit down and say, you know, this might not be the group for you. If you can't, you know, get along with everybody, or if you can't give everybody a chance to, play their characters then this might not be the group that you want to be in now, if Tom, you don't start start sharing those cheese it's bub <laughs> you're out. but you've never had to exit someone which is good no what, what would no, be the I deal breaker think, for you oh go ahead go ahead with your thought no well i mean that. i think that well i mean i think you know we're we're pretty much aligned in our sensibilities of how we want our games to go the kind of spirit that we want to have in the room uh, when people get together and that sort of thing, I think, you know, I would uh, honestly, and I know this kind of maybe sounds stupid, I would take the sort of the, the, uh, job termination approach where you have to have a very clear and transparent conversation. Here's why this isn't working. One, two, three, have the possibly have them respond if you want to do the exit interview kind of thing. But, but there, but then at the same time, there's certain lines you don't cross, right? You know, you don't start yelling, you don't start screaming, you don't cuss at them, you don't call them bad names. You're just like, this isn't working. Here's why it's not working. What do you think? They can respond, and then you make your decision one way or the other, regardless of what they say. Well, honestly. I was going to say, I think the most important thing is it's not a negotiation at that point. If the conversation right, yeah. has to be had, the decision's already made. And where a lot of people get these horror stories from is they treat it like it's a negotiation. Oh, we're going to give right. him a second chance. No, 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 no. There is no second no. chance because to get to that point, you've already had second chances. Whether right. it's. And I, and I agree. I agree. But it's, it's a, uh, you, you want to give them, I think it's important to give them the opportunity to respond just so they feel like they've been able to represent themselves in some way, even though the outcome is predetermined. See, I disagree. Does that make sense? I, I, that make I sense? don't care. If it is someone, <laughs> no, I'm being serious. If it's someone that is only in my world at the gaming table, get fucked. I, I don't need to give you a response. I probably will, but if you get all salty, I'm going to cut you off and say that away, young man. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and direct is always better. I mean, people have trouble reading between the lines or, uh, catching hints you know if you're throwing hints out and stuff and people and it goes over people's head you just need to tell them and and quit you know and it's uncomfortable but don't be a pussy about just saying this is this is it and here's why and i'm sorry right but you need to go and to an extent you have to be very deliberate with it too so that you don't open up the door for a bunch of excuses because nobody you know oh oh my father passed away oh oh uh, potato you know <laughs> there could be any number of reasons and that's fine but again if we're at that point then the reasons don't have any meaning anymore right okay i asked this before but I was I was on one <laughs> and not listening. What's a deal breaker for you, Kyle? What's an instant you're gone? Instant gone. Um, you got like if someone does X at your table, they need to go. No second chances. No looking back. Personal property damage. <laughs> uh, what is, that's, that's a very fair statement. That's a very fair yeah, statement. That can happen if they if they the get guy. mad and they and they chuck a mini at the wall. And it breaks, <laughs> you know, something along those lines. Maybe I don't know. I have, um, I have issues when people hold cards the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said something to a guy on Friday night when we were playing unfathomable because of how he was holding his cards, but I bit my tongue. Uh, did you see that coming, Bert? <laughs> you biting your tongue? No, I never see that. No, coming. But did you You're... see him holding those cards? And did you see me? I did watching him hold those cards <laughs> uh, that i did notice yeah uh what's your deal breaker bert what's an instant out i mean uh it would have to be something pretty extreme to be an instant out i mean i guess uh, you know for me it's something you know we're there to have a good time so if you're disparaging other players or if you you know go after another player just to ruin their fun i'm gonna send you home so the rest of us can enjoy our game 
I agree. I agree. And if it's absolutely not necessarily sparkling, but trollish behavior just for the sake of griefing the game, that's an instant out for me. That that that's where mm-hmm. I was at too. Because it is my very limited fun downtime. Don't fuck with it. And you, 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 oh, oh, Ryan, that's selfish. You're goddamn right. It's selfish. Everybody knows the only troll at Ryan's table is Ryan. That's right. It's not news to the world. I am the one that gets to fuck with anybody. And if anybody else fucks with me, fuck you. Oh, boy. We got a big news. news. I did say news. We got a big news week this week. Uh, Let me see what we've got lined up for this week oh Ooh, it's did you know it's halloween <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's in the news ryan do you know Yo, why you- we never got a ghostbusters 3 according to bill murray why uh, and this makes me sad but uh bill murray uh was the linchpin for ghostbusters 3 And, quote, when we did the sequel, it was rather unsatisfying to me because the first one was the goods. It was the real thing. The sequel, it was a few years later, and the idea got pitched, and they got us all together in a room, and we just laughed for a couple of hours and thought up some ideas. We had this idea, but it didn't turn out to be that idea when I arrived on the set. It became a whole different movie with only a few great scenes in it. So Murray pulled the plug, again, quote, because the second one was so disappointing for me at heart. So it hurt Bill's heart, the second one. (laughs) Now, I am one of the few defenders of Ghostbusters 2, but there's getting to be more and more of us in the ranks now, right? Because if you look at it and take a step back, it wasn't that bad of a film. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it wasn't. It was it was not a bad movie at all. It was of course some of that though is, you know, hindsight's always 2020 and compared to a lot of the crap that comes out now it's an excellent film, right? Very much so. Very much so. But it was also 1989. Right. And you are way too long, you know, 5 years is far too long removed. The only thing that gave that any footing was the animated show, right? The real Ghostbusters. Right. The real Ghostbusters cartoon was huge during that time. And the story, as it's rumored, was originally to be following the real Ghostbusters timeline, which followed the original film's timeline. So there was going to be continuity. Now, do I know if that included Vigo, who was amazing? (laughs) No, (laughs) uh, I, I don't. But I would suspect that it did because you just don't 180 your your whole villain, right? Right. I imagine that taking that animated universe out of Ghostbusters 2, and if you look at the logo, you can see where they were going. The, the animated show definitely had influence, but the rumors are that all of that was intentionally scrubbed from the movie. And I'm wondering if this is what Bill Murray was speaking about how it fundamentally changed and he said no no two was enough for me it's a, it's an interesting question i mean the film was not terrible but they were never going to be able to capture that lightning in a bottle they got from the first movie no no and, right. and i don't expect that you know because when you print gold on the first try you're never going to be able to recapture that. Look, we're, this is leading into our final segment today where we're going to talk about terrible sequels, and Ghostbusters <laughs> 2 is not a terrible sequel. Um, but it, it, it's tough. What's your favorite Ghostbusters 2 scene, Bert? Uh, for me, it's got to be the, uh, you know, the when uh, you first see Vigo, the Carpathian, Vigo is amazing. Kyle, I have a 12 by 18 print of Vigo in my game room. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I, I'll, I'll show it someday on the speakeasy because it's very accessible to, to where that's, I'm at. That's pretty cool, actually. That would be kind of neat. Kyle, what's your favorite Ghostbusters 2 scene? 
we'd like to shoot the monster now. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is ironically part of my love of, you know, trains and abandoned sites. My favorite Ghostbusters 2 scene is when they went down into the old pneumatic railway and first oh. encountered the river yeah. of slime, not because of the river of slime, but I was like pneumatic railway. This is awesome. That's from the world's fair. And, and I was right. like, you know, I was younger than other kids are looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this dork? <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, that, that was a real thing. And the set that they used for the pneumatic railway was modeled after one of the few photographs that actually exist of it from the world's fair. Um, so somewhere under New York, that might actually exist. Sands River of Slime, of course. It could have a river of slime. It is New York. Uh, that's true. That's true. But that's a different <laughs> kind of slime. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be a river of ectoplasm. It would be something else. Uh, we played this game before, as I look at our second story here, Bert. Okay. There is a new release from an, I don't want to say old board game, but older board game that is now going to boast the largest miniature ever to complement a tabletop game. The miniature is 90 centimeters. Wow, 90. that's huge. That is huge. Any idea on what this miniature would be packaged with. I mean, it's got to be one of the Cosmic Horrors, right? It's it is not be... a Cosmic Horror game. Really? But we've played it. I own it. It's right behind me right now. Kyle, you want to take right. a stab at this? I'm a dumb American. How big is 90 centimeters? <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 90 centimeters is oh, about it's almost three feet, it's right? Almost three feet. Yeah. It, it's, it's, and that's height or length or just general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Shut up. <laughs> uh, if I had to put a measurement on it, it would be length. Okay. Man, I don't have any idea. I intentionally that... didn't say whether it was height or length when I made Bert make his choice because I thought that would give it away to Bert. Okay. I mean, that almost has to be length. Yes. So, I don't know. It's got to be some sort of worm-like creature or something along those lines. No, oh, I'm, just, I'm just spitballing. No, I don't know. No, don't know. the it's game. Train. It's an evil, organic it train of the dead i don't know game is, is it u-boats yes u-boats U-boat. Okay. oh okay they are making a the collector's summary. edition of u-boats and this collector's edition is going to have one freaking mighty submarine on it. it it's uh it's three subway sandwiches long so um <laughs> i didn't I remember love we... u-boat but we didn't really give it a fair shake we had the wrong group composition to play it we only played it a couple of times and we struggled yeah and i think you're right it was the group that we had playing it but it was a struggle to get through with the group that we had at the time kyle imagine yep. if you will okay a full-on simulation of running a german u-boat submarine wow which That's means you you're using like a sextant and math and plotting to travel blindly because you can't see right and every player fulfills the role of a crew member doing different things for operations uh in the the one game that we played it was about a three-hour session we never even saw an enemy vessel because we didn't know how to fucking drive a sub. <laughs> right. In a follow-up game to that, we only saw the enemy vessels at the end of the game, and at that point it was too late to do anything, because we don't know how to drive a submarine. No it's sub. a little too simulatory. Um, it's definitely a challenging game. It's very, uh, very detail-oriented. It takes a special group to, to play that game. 
Um, yeah, and, it takes like trigonometry experts, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it wasn't for the group that we had at the time. That being said, I think that members of our group could probably give it a go. Although I don't know that I would qualify as the best member to still be effective in that situation. It, it's a very deep game. And I'm sure if you played it with fidelity many times, you would get it right. But sure. Yeah. Coming out of the box. No, thanks. Flashback to this week's speakeasy, Kyle, you and I talked about suitable flesh. Yeah. The Lovecraftian lifetime movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't think I've seen this. No, the movie bills itself as being quote from the makers of reanimator and from beyond. Okay. And it stars right. Heather Graham as which is almost worth a watch right well, there. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to argue. She is easy on the eyes. And even yeah. at 53, 53, hey, she, I'm 53. <laughs> well, Kyle, let me just tell you that uh, <laughs> at 53, there are some scenes that absolutely still put her in boogie night shape. If, uh-huh. if you know what I'm saying. And man, she's just a beautiful woman. Anyway, <laughs> yes, she is. it's getting really mixed reviews, right? Graham looks great. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but there Ryan. are some moments of this film that are even more abstract and hokey than American Horror Story. And it's very much in the middle. You're either going to love it or you hate it. All right. Everything that I have read and seen from this movie truly puts it in the category of a Lovecraft lifetime movie because that's also the level of the acting from some of the other players, not necessarily the vivacious Miss Graham. Hey, now. Am I so what's watch? the premise? I really haven't seen anything about this. Uh, well, Bert, a deep one living in the big city has to go back to her small hometown where she meets a rugged uh, lumberjack who seems kind of dirty and crude, but then they fall madly in love just before Christmas. I totally <laughs> made all like, that up. <laughs> like a Hallmark Channel movie. <laughs> well, yeah, that was that's where I was going. Thanks. Uh, you're not that far off. Uh, you're really not that far off. The film is a modern adaptation of the 1933 short story by Lovecraft himself, the thing on the doorstep. Okay. And it is a psychiatrist who becomes obsessed with one of her young patients who she then discovers is, well, we'll say she, this patient is linked to an ancient curse. Interesting. So, I mean, the thing on the doorstep is a good nudity. (laughs) <laughs> it says that right in the IMDb description, does yes, it? Yes, it, it does. Female nudity, female rear nudity, female French kiss, female <laughs> topless nudity, breasts. Okay, Ryan. Easy there. Stop drooling on yourself. It's Heather Graham. It's Heather Graham. Roller girl's back. Dude, yeah. I ran out of Oops. lotion to roller girl back in the day. <laughs> she was the best part of that movie. Man. No shame in my game. I have closed my eyes to Heather Graham on more than one occasion. Anyway. (laughs) Suitable flesh for us Lovecraft buffs. It's worth the watch. Heather Graham, also worth the watch. Uh, I mean, the thing on the doorstep was a good Lovecraft story. I'm familiar with that one, but uh, it'll be be interesting to see what they did with it. I'm sure that the problem with... I, I yeah. did think it was it was lifetime movie ish though. Yeah. And that that's the oh. one thing that prevented me from really loving it. Yeah, I mean the problem that with with cosmic horror movies is it's difficult to bring that level of like suspense and thing and yeah, I mean the visual effects and things like that are can be a nightmare. Right. No, I, I agree. Well, I just wait for the sequel, the thing comes through the back door. I, I oh. sure will. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, man. okay 
What um, else is in the news, Ryan? One of my favorite, I guess you could call it, adult animated shows, right, from from way back when, is getting its revival. Any guesses, gentlemen? We know it's not know. Beavis and Butthead because we've already yeah. done that. I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't uh, even think of anything. Aqua Teen Hunger Force <sighs> is making its long-awaited return to the small screen. What? Sure, sure, right. Frylock, Master Shake, and Meatwad. Got you guys it. did not like Aqua Teen. What's wrong with you, Kyle? Well. Where do, how much time do we have for what's wrong with me? Good God. <laughs> yeah, that, okay, that, that well, let me rephrase that. Why did you not like Aqua Teen? <laughs> I never watched it. Oh, Kyle. Never watched it. Oh, you I vaguely remember Aquatine. hearing about it. People actually watched this thing? I did. I, I like never clockwork. found it very interesting. Okay. <sighs> Apparently. Okay. I, I watched it all the time. I okay. thought it was generally okay. funny. There were a couple of moments where it was uh, like any show, you know, they, they had some not great moments, but there were no terrible moments. And I think that's the key to having a very good show. It was also 15 minutes, right? So okay. it was effectively shorts that strung together for 11 seasons. And we're going to have a new uh, 12th season of sticking to their original format, 15-minute shorts, that's going to be short. I, when I read the article, I think it was five or six episodes. So it's definitely that's a test. Short. It's definitely a test. Uh, it's going to air on Adult Swim and then the next day on HBO Max. So, huh. Okay. Carl's coming back. That's all i got to say. <laughs> uh, last but not least in the news. This is Sparkle Troll News, gentlemen. Mm. Is it? It is. Okay. Did you know that in the upcoming Book of Many Things that's now delayed because of quality issues, they put in an entire section dedicated to nothing but horrific traps? Yeah, sure I mean, they did. Sure they did. I mean, I guess it depends on what you describe as horrific. Traps and dungeons and tombs normally go together hand in hand. These fuckers don't know what a dangerous trap is. <laughs> They've never heard of Grimtooth. Right. Um, here's a sample of what is being called a dastardly and gnarly trap by, gnarly. The, by they thems, right? Gnarly. It's a 50-foot-wide chamber with a narrow beam laid over a 25-foot pit. Okay. The walls are metal sheeting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the pit, there's gears grinding. Okay. All right. Sure. Crossing the beam. Should I give away the trap? Crossing the beam is a challenge, okay? And sure. If, if it sounds if, like a... If you fall into the... You know, just in case someone wants to convert this because... They might. If you fall into the pit and you don't stop the gears from turning, you'll take 10d10 oh, bludgeoning damage. That's it. It's a pit trap. And instead of spikes, you have gears. Is that 10d10 bludgeoning damage per round until you get out? or Just says 10d10 bludgeoning damage. I assume you're ground into a pulp and would not be able to be resurrected because you don't have a corpse. But I'm sure that's not in there. Well, with the hit point bloat in 5e, 10d10, some of these barbarian characters yeah, you that's hear survivable. About around, it's like that's survivable if it's not per round. Um, right. Here we go. Are you ready for the best part? Quote, <laughs> if you've got consent from your players, go oh, ham yeah. on the gross descriptions here. Mm -hmm. It's important to note that you obtain consent before inserting any lethal traps into a dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You have to. Yeah. You can't you can't kill completely fictional and imaginary characters in a game that's designed to you know have danger and stuff. You There's another that trap line. that was modeled after the furnace trap in Saw 2. No, you can't do it, Ryan. You can't do it. And the hmm. final trap 
indicating that there are three. I don't know. I'm not buying this supplement. The final trap is a little more forgiving. <laughs> okay. I don't know what the final trap is, but it's, yeah. you know, it's more forgiving. It's, yeah. It's, so, it's confetti and, and water balloons. So trap number one is 10 D 10. Trap number two is one D 10 radiant damage to the party. And trap radiant number damage. three is a little more forgiving. <laughs> a little more forgiving. Yeah. It's confetti. Yay. No. My favorite trap. Oh, I don't know. I have a lot of favorite traps, but my favorite, and I think this was a grim tooth trap, was the false floor after the pit trap. So if you jump over the pit, you jumped into right. another pit. That's um, one of my favorites. That's it, one of my favorites. Guess what? That's lethal. Done. Yeah. Uh, depending I on what you put you, in the pit. Ryan, it was the, uh, I thought with you, Ryan, it was the pit trap with the gelatinous cube at the bottom. That's my creative favorite one that I came up with. But uh, th this one, see, you want to you want to combine the two. Let's put a gelatinous cube in the bottle bottom of the second pit. Um, but that's the news. Yeah, that's it. Um, okay. Tra traps. Oh, uh, you didn't get my consent to make sure that that arrow <laughs> flew out of the wall. It hit me in my butthole. If I didn't have my butt plug in, nothing would. I could have died. Ryan. 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 <laughs> It's a good thing that jewel is for real, huh? Yeah, stop oppressing me, man. Gnarly traps, Kyle. Nothing yeah, sounded out of the ordinary gnarly. to me. <laughs> I mean, those gnarly. are pretty standard, pretty standard traps for. I mean, gear grinding gears isn't something you normally see in like a dungeon or crypt. Normally, yeah, you'd no, see like arrow traps and pit traps and falling spikes. boulders and yeah, yeah spikes. spikes. Yeah, it, it's funny you say Pools that though. Acid. They've never, they've never come fun. out and said this, but do you guys get this feeling that there is a big push to move whatever the D&D &D setting is? Because, you know, it's not Greyhawk. I guess technically it's the realms now, right? Technically. But they're moving it to like this steampunky feel, but they're not saying it. They're not using the mm -hmm. word steampunk, but there, there's definitely that in the art, in the design. Mm -hmm. Why? Is it more cosplayable? so i mean that's interesting I, I haven't really i haven't really seen a lot of the recent artwork but yeah i mean the mention of the trap the gears that does sound like more of a steampunk setting or uh you know well, uh, yeah yeah ryan's right it's you, you, there's you know airships now are fairly common in a lot of you know at least in some of the materials out there you get uh, and if you look at the art you can see especially when you start having like the Art, artificer classes uh, and things like that and they've got their their goggles on and they're you know yeah it's a, it's got a very steampunk flavor to it um as to why i'm not really sure makes me sad because i like steampunk if done well i very yeah, I much like steampunk if too, done yeah, well absolutely but if it's going to become common oh, man don't ruin something else well, for me it's just it's just another example if they don't know the source material right it's it's a fantasy game it's not a steampunk game steampunk is kind of fantasy but it's like it's a subgenre right no, and, I mean, and you're you're mixing genres and you're getting confused about it's it's a lack of direction in my opinion at the at the end of the day it's like yeah. we don't really know what we're doing so we're just going to throw everything including the kitchen sink and see what sticks and i've played in some great steampunk games i mean the they're, you know, they're oftentimes they're period pieces. They have that sort of noir feel to them, mm -hmm. but that's not something that I associate with D and D. D and D was more, you know, high middle fantasy than steampunk or technology based. Right, and it made right. it special when you did bring that in as an element. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It all started with the damn gnomes. It did. It did. It started with the damned gnomes, and they're like inventing stuff and tinkering around. And all right, let's move on and talk about monsters because it's mm. spooky. Um, it's alive. It's a good follow-up to the traps that you're not allowed to have without consent. If you are looking to ruin someone's day and give them some therapy, 
what are you putting into your game as far as a monster? Now, a couple episodes back, we talked about undead. So we're going to clear the board from undead. Okay. All right. What do you want to put in to psychologically damage your players? <laughs> oh, that's that's easy. Oh, go. That's an easy choice. Go, Bert. All right. Yeah. Abeleth. Oh, tell everybody why that's your pick. Well, I mean, it uh, it really messes with the characters mechanically. I mean, you get struck by an Abeleth, you lose the ability to breathe air. You start, you know, your character starts transforming. They're these sort of tentacled, you know, horrors that live in deep pools of water. It's a it's a very it's sort of you know cosmic horror light maybe, but you you have to worry about things like the characters changing mechanically and them dealing with the fact that they're now um, in danger from becoming a servant of this horrible creature. You know, you really want to mess with somebody, throw an Abeleth into your campaign. There you go. Kyle, do you have one that's sort of your go-to? I don't know that I've got one that's a go-to, but if I was going to, I've actually, there's two that come to mind that if I really wanted to screw with, with players as far as, you know, like you were saying, to kind of give them some, you know, imaginary trauma, because I don't think I could inflict real trauma. No, I don't think we could. Um, at least not with my players, but I would say this, I think I'm going to go with, with my first gut instinct and that's rot grubs. Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's one a good I wasn't choice. expecting. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's creepy as hell, dude. It's like, you know, okay. You've come into contact and Ryan, you, your skin's starting to itch. Uh-oh. You feel, I don't, it's like, there's a lump, maybe more than one and it's in your arm. And they're moving and, and it's starting to move. Ah. Ah. <laughs> and then you have them scratch open their skin and have the grubs pop out. And oh, the grubs yeah. pop out and they don't know how many they've got. And the bugs are under your skin and oh my, you know, and they're moving up your arm and have them cough yeah, one out just for extra fun. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You can get really creative with that, man. That's terrifying shit, dude. It is. Yeah, That's a good one, Kyle. That, that, that's an excellent choice. It makes mine seem kind of cosmically pale uh, in comparison. Uh, gibbering mouther. Uh, one of my favorite gibbering. Mm. That's a, that's a, that's a good monster, dude. It is just that's weird looking and creepy as hell. It's weird. It is. It's bunch of mouths. It's like Azatoth in a box, right? Right. Yeah. And um, I always say gibbering, gibbering mouth. <laughs> I'm surprised the... none of us went the uh, the safe route. None of us picked mind flares. <sighs> yeah, they're overdone. They dude. are. They are. It's 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 very overdone. Um. There is a fifth edition monster that when it came out, I thought it was spectacular. And I don't often give props to stuff that happens in fifth edition. And I'm surprised it's there because they actually created lore behind this monster that that's phenomenal. Um, the bag monster or the bag man, I forget what it was called. Um, it's Not effectively familiar. an adventurer that, you know, did something and turned traitor on his party and hid himself in a bag of holding. And what, ha- you know, bags of holding can't sustain life. And right. He got twisted. I don't know if he, he might be undead, uh, but now he's just full of hatred and venom. And he's this entity that lives in this bag and just sh- can pop out of any sort of container. And it was one of the few times where they had decent lore that made sense. And it was not family friendly, right? He, it was, right. it was a very disturbing monster, but I, I do think he's undead. I don't know. And I'm not hmm. going to look it up. Um, good monster choices, gents, good monster choices. As honorable mention would be ear seekers. <laughs> uh, winter, oh, wow. Winter, which are essentially rot grubs, but they're they're 
more designed to if you're going to mess with the thieves in the party the listening at the doors because they reside in the wood and then they crawl in your ear and they kind of do basically the same thing a rot grub does except they go to the brain and not the heart i was going to say they go right to the brain stem right right yeah (laughs) good soft squishy food for everybody uh, let's shift gears into our final sort of mini segment on our spooky episode. You know, over the last four weeks, we've talked about our love of the horror genre, and we've talked about some horror films, and we've talked about some horror games. But we didn't talk about when horror goes wrong. And uh, <laughs> I think that it's a fair assessment that if any horror film goes too far with the sequels or iterations, there's going to be some bad. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, particularly in the genre, when it's bad, it's terribly bad. <laughs> so um, if we think about the horror movies that we have seen in our lifetime, good and bad, which one of those sequels just needs to be burned to the ground, man? Um, we were joking off the air when we talked about it. <laughs> and everyone, well, Bert and I were talking before Kyle got here. And then uh, we were, Bert said, aren't you going to watch Halloween 3? And, you know, that's sort of the go-to for everybody, right? But I, I will once again step in and play devil's advocate that Halloween 3 isn't a bad horror film. It just should have never right. been called Halloween three. That's and that's I'm in total agreement with that. It's a good movie for its time. It should right. not have been branded as a Halloween movie. And, and that was the death knell for it because it was right. completely removed from the whole narrative with the Strode family and Michael and Lori. And uh, it's not a bad film. It's a misunderstood film. <laughs> right. It's not a bad movie. It's not really a Halloween movie. So I've cleared that from the board. Um, okay. Let's let's just go round the horn here, and and no particular order. It doesn't mean it's a favorite or it's the worst. What's a bad sequel for for horror films? Uh, Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Exorcist Two is bad. <laughs> yes, it is. Remember that, that- machine. <laughs> Yep, the machine, the unnecessary subplot about locusts breeding in Africa, and <laughs> like it was like the first one was such a masterpiece of horror. The second one just you know was meh. Yeah, like, Exorcist Two never lived, even up though to it. it had Linda Blair. Mm-hmm. It, it just it just couldn't do it. Couldn't, uh, yeah. I, I, I got I've got a two as well. Nightmare on Elm Street two, absolute garbage. <laughs> There's one good line in that entire movie, and I, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that maybe it was in Th- Dream Warriors. No, I think you've got the body, I've got the brain. Was in Nightmare on Elm Street too, and I just saved everybody an hour and a half of having to watch it. <laughs> that was a rough one. Kyle, anything jumping out at you? Yeah, and it's funny because it, this this franchise was was brought up earlier, the 2016 release of ghostbusters <laughs> oh that that should be burned uh, to the ground that was painful because of the political insert i'm gonna be 100 percent honest the first time i saw it the first 20 minutes where they're in the haunted house before there's any of that crap that's going on i was like this could work i know it doesn't have venkman and stance and zedmore and Spangler, but this could work. It could, you could do something if you do it right. And then it, yeah, took a nosedive. Yeah. But they did get the perfect actor for Slimer. Leslie Jones is the perfect Slimer. <laughs> so I, I will say that. <clears throat> Bert, keep him going. Yeah. What, 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 uh, and see, if you're listening and you're looking for something horribly bad that's fast-forward worthy just for the laughs, we're giving you a wonderful list right now. How about Hellraiser, Hellworld? Oh, I knew, I knew yeah. you were going to get here. Uh, yeah. I love the, the Hellraiser, Hellraiser franchise, sequels but are good. after one, they really... No, I think they get steadily worse as they progress. Yeah, two, two was, was uh, two okay. was fair. 
two was and then okay. Three was like, what are you doing? And then four was like, please stop. And then just, it just kept going. Yeah. Um, How many Hellraisers are there now, Bert? Let me, I'll look because I've actually got them all. I think there were nine or ten with the remake. Let's see. We'll go to ten. And there are, there's currently eleven. That's with the most recent one. Okay. That's a lot. Eleven. <laughs> Eleven. Yeah. Um, I'll throw this one out there. Jason X. Jason yeah. X. Jason X. Okay. Another franchise that went on far too long. Jason X was bad. Uh, Jason in space. <laughs> How about Puppet Master 4? Four? Four? I, I, I don't know. I wasn't a fan of many of the Puppet Master movies to begin with. So I, I right. I'm disqualifying myself from comment on this one only because I don't remember it. I really don't. Um, I mean, one and one and three were pretty much the best ones of that series, in my opinion. But three because it gave you that backstory. Like three was Toulon's Revenge, and it was interesting. But I guess I would have to throw out Evil Dead Rise. Oh, that was a rough one. The most recent Evil Dead. I love the Evil Dead franchise, and I had trouble sitting with that. I watched it on a plane, so I was in a, uh, I was basically a captive audience watching it, and I still had str- <laughs> trouble finishing it. Yeah. Uh, how about the second uh, Rob Zombie movie, Devils, Devils something, Devils Rejects? Devils Thank Rejects. you. Yeah, that was Devils horrible. Rejects. Yeah. Um, not that the first one was was any better, but the first one had promise, right? <laughs> Devils Rejects was just was just bad. Well, I, I don't know if I want to mention this one, but how about Leprechaun Origins? Oh. <laughs> Might as well throw Ghoulies 2 onto that pile, too. Oh, leprechauns. <laughs> I'm a leprechaun. Well, I mean, at least with the Leprechaun movies, you knew what you were getting. A, a, a Warwick Davis, like, you know, ridiculous, like, gore romp. Right. Whereas with, and Leprechaun Origins tried to make it serious. Uh, which human centipede was the one where there were like 300 people in the centipede? Oh, that's my no. vote. <laughs> I've never seen any of those. The, the first one's worth a watch because that's what it is, right? And and for yeah. what it does, it does it okay. But the rest of them are just bad. I mean, we could we could we could keep going for hours and hours on this. But I think <laughs> every franchise has good. at least one terrible film in it. You know, right? Yeah. The, the 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 new Halloween trilogy. The first one was all right. The second and third are not good. Um, yeah, we we could just keep going and going and going and going and going. And I think people would much rather hear about our Checkmark Hero. The one, the only, the supremely generous and amazing benefactor, Cinemander. She does it all, and she is Checkmark Hero through the end of the year. I uh, want to make sure to give a big, big thanks and remind everybody that we have revised the Checkmark Hero plan. Why? Well, because Elon is now going to make it 16 bucks a month, so we're opening it up for multiple Checkmark Heroes, and here's how it can go down. Yes, Sin has this thing wrapped up through December, but that doesn't mean that you still can't go to nerdcognito.com and toss a couple of bucks our way by clicking be a checkmark hero. And now that threshold is down to as little as $2. So you can sponsor a week of checkmark hero if you would like. We sincerely appreciate it. The ladies at the Nerd Cognito Twitter account really appreciate it. And it's just one way that you can help support the show now as we're coming into like full on shill pledge drive season. Um, bills are coming due, so every buck helps and check mark heroes away for you to get a mention just like we're going to mention that everyone should follow cinnamander at c-y-n-n-a-m-a-n-d-e-r they could also be following you for just as little as two dollar two dollar uh the ladies on twitter said it's cheaper than gas station sushi and it's true you too should be a check mark hero Also, while you're doing things, make sure that you are subscribed at the two critically important places. One is at the podcatcher of your choice so that this gets downloaded to your device. Be that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, you name it. If it's a major podcast provider, we are there. 
After you subscribe there, go to our new baby YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at nerdcognito and make sure that you have hit the subscription button there too. We're tiny, but we're growing, and the speakeasy is becoming the place to be Saturdays at 5 Eastern. It really is. There is not a better dorky stream that's out there at that time. In fact, all week, but nobody knows that we're there. So so just, just watch the speak. It, it's great. Kyle and I have a good time. You never know who's going to drop yeah. in. We've had Delver drop in. We've had Randy drop in. Bert's done the speak as well, and uh, the numbers are growing, man. People are, are really tuning in to the speak right now you can see it on x and rumble if you want to join the conversation you have to join us on youtube so no there's no cover charge but it's bring your own drinks it is bring your own drinks and we, we often share what is in the glasses each week well, boys, I think that uh, this has been a very productive and spooky episode of Nerd Cognito. Uh, God, hopefully we don't drop on Halloween directly again for like three years. <laughs> so, uh, my name is Ryan David. Thank you for tuning in and joining us. We really sincerely appreciate each and every one of you that is out there as a member of the Nerd Cognito Nation. Your feedback, your interaction, and your support really makes us want to keep doing this because uh, some weeks, man, you've heard the news. Some weeks are rough. (laughs) I was joined by Bert and Kyle this week, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. There is no Kyle. There is only Zool.